Hey guys, welcome to the OSL podcast. On Thursday evening, May 2nd, we held our annual OSL commissioning service for our graduating students. In total, 22 of our students graduated with either an undergraduate or a graduate degree. Now, our event is not a typical graduation ceremony that you would find at a traditional university. We leave that up to our partnering universities. But what we do is a commissioning service. We do it every year and it is essentially the culmination of all of their hard work over the last several years, students' hard work that is, over the last several years, and putting on uh, an exclamation point on it with prayer. So they do walk across the stage, they receive a certificate, and we also give each students, each of our graduating students, a gift to help them get started. And the entire service is OSL produced, including all of the production, the lighting, the stage setup, the worship leading, um, the song lyrics uh, written by OSL students, et cetera, et cetera, pretty much everything you can possibly think of that would go into uh, a service. The only thing that is not OSL produced is the commissioning message from our senior pastor, Pastor Scott Wilson. So today we're including that message, which was incredibly powerful on today's OSL podcast. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this message and here it is. And um, I am just so incredibly proud of you guys, our graduates, and, and this program, what God's doing in Oak School of Leadership. I think most of you know how this uh, organization, our Oak School of Leadership, started, but I'll, I'll tell you just in case you don't know, it was back when uh, I started uh, in ministry here at the church. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit. Let, let's back it up. Let's back up a little bit more. You guys have heard this, but... I'm going to say it again. I was born into the church. My mom and dad, the pastors here before me. And when I was five years old, I mean, I got saved at a youth camp. My dad was speaking at, I don't remember the guy, he was speaking in the morning. There was a guy speaking that night. I got saved, went to the altar, gave my heart to the Lord. It wasn't just like a, I don't know, a little thing. Man, I remember weeping and crying. I mean, what I had done, you know, steal gum at the store or something, I don't know. But I mean, I felt the conviction of how much I needed Jesus. It was three years after that I was at another camp. Camp Ben McCullough was the name of it. It was a camp meeting, not just camp. It was camp meeting, guys. And uh, they were having an altar call time. You know, David, you know Camp Ben McCullough because that's right there in Austin. It was that section. You guys still go there uh, for, maybe you don't, but I thought you did. Okay, you have your camp meeting every year. Okay, cool. And we would go there, and at the end of the service, I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, would you go forward with me and pray with me that I'd receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I want that prayer language. My dad went forward and prayed for me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was 12 years old again at camp in Jacksonville, Texas, and that's where we went to camp. And uh, yeah, just to give you a little insight of how, how different it was back then, man, jeans, all day long, it's a hundred and whatever it is outside. And you had to wear jeans all day long, all the time. And so we were holy back then. No holes in your jeans, but holy in your heart, you know. But you went, I went there and I was 12 years old when God told me that he wanted me to be a pastor. 
I remember that night. I think I've told you guys this before is don't ever get down on yourself if people don't see the greatness in you of what God wants to do. Because I went to the guy who preached that night who is in ministry still to this day. And I see him all the time. He doesn't probably remember that he did this. But I walked up to him at 12 years old and I must have been so obnoxious that, you know, he couldn't see it. Because I told him, I said, hey, God called me in the ministry tonight. He said, you've got to be kidding and that was it. There was no encouragement afterwards. It was just, you got to be kidding me. You know, <laughs> I don't see it. And, uh, but, that, but God did. And I was 17 years old going on a missions trip, graduating from high school, just graduated. We went on a missions trip to Hot Springs, Arkansas, stateside AIM trip. All the district youth directors in the room know what I'm talking about. The, the AIM trips that we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we did all kinds of missions work there with the church. And then that night, there was a big service, and I remember that night sitting and God speaking in my heart and saying, Scott, I'm asking you if you'll give me everything that you have, everything that you are, everything that you have, your hopes, your future, your dreams, everything. And it wasn't an issue of salvation. It wasn't an issue about going to heaven or not. It was heaven or hell. It wasn't a salvation issue. It was an issue of lordship and, and of the issue of saying, will I go all in with everything that I am? And that night, I felt, man, I felt it was like a lion in the sand moment. Okay, are you in or are you not in? Man, I just got out of high school. I mean, come on, God, you could, this is like stuff you do when you're older. And the Lord said, no, right now I want to know. And I remember that night going to the side. It was on this side, and I went down at the front, and I got on my face before God. And I don't know how it happened, like there, there was a holy covering or, or like, uh, camouflage spiritually over me or whatever, because I promise you in the church I grew up in, if anybody was over there getting some from God, there'd be at least 10 people come over there and help them. Not one person for two hours prayed for me, talked to me, messed with me. But for two hours I laid on the floor and I just kept praying the same thing over. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll marry who you want me to marry. I'll go to school where you want me to go to school. I'll do anything you want. I'm all in. I just don't, don't miss me. Don't skip me. Don't, don't, don't look right here. Here I am. Use me. I kept praying over God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do it. Lord, just don't look anywhere else. Just, oh. Use me. Well, I didn't know that when we got on the bus and headed home, that right when we got home, my youth pastor resigned. And that my dad looked at me and I'm 17 years old and he said, son, I know you just graduated, but we don't have a youth pastor yet. Could you hold it together until we get somebody? Well, can you imagine how weird that would be to just graduate high school and everybody in the room's your friend, you've been messing around and cutting up and service with and all that, and now you're the guy. <laughs> and, and I didn't ever preach. I never even knew how to preach at all, guys. Didn't have a clue. So I, I asked the, the lady, Renee Rochester was her name. She was the FCA director at our school. And I know you're going like, you, you know, she was a woman coach. How are you in that? Because this lady was so on fire for God, man. I had never seen anybody know the word of God like that. Let me tell you something. The most powerful preaching you can do is when you have the scripture hidden in your heart and it just flows out of you all the time as the spirit of God prompts you. And that's how it was, man. And I got my Bible out. I had my Bible back then. You didn't even have it on iPhone and all that stuff. I mean, I had it right there. And 
and every verse she said, I'd turn to it, underline it, circle it right in my notepad. She'd say another one, I'd flip to it and look at it, underline, and, and then I'd go back all during the week and, and learn it and go through it. And so I didn't know how to preach, but I knew she knew how to preach with an incredible anointing. So I had her book to come every Wednesday night, you know, for like six weeks. And I'd get her notes ahead of time and I made little notebooks, you know, the little clip things you open up and you put things in. So every week we made her notes with fill in the blanks so that kids could write down the verses and they could memorize. They'd had a memory verse every week, all this. Man, I was putting them in there. I didn't know, I, was, I could play the piano a little bit. I wasn't any good really, but, but I could play a little bit, sing a little bit. And we, we did that. And then one week, it's just about three or four hours before service that Renee calls, Coach Renee calls and she said, hey, man, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be able to make it tonight. I said, well, you kidding me? Like it's service in like three or four. Oh, come on, you can do it, Scott. I can't do it. I don't even know how to preach. Just do it. You can do it. You can do it. I can't make it. I hung up the phone. Man, I, I shut myself up in the office. And I just began to pray and say, God, what am I going to do? Who can I get? What can I do? And I felt like the Lord said, I'm calling you. You do it. I said, but God, I don't know how to preach. Listen to this. I said, God, I don't know how to preach. And the Lord said this to me. You don't need to preach. Just get up and tell them what I've been telling you. Just get up and show them what I've been showing you. You know, that's probably the greatest advice or the greatest truth moment of preaching and of ministry I've ever had in my life is that God said, you don't have to be cool. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be funny. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to have an outline type that's really good. I mean, you want to be organized the best you can and do your best and you want to keep developing. Listen, I work, you guys know, because a lot of y'all have been around me as I'm developing messages. I work hours and hours a week on that. But, but basically, no matter if it was then or now, the basics of the whole deal has to be, guys. You just live a life that you just tell people what he's telling you. You give people what he's given you. In fact, you can't give people stuff you don't have. It feels funny because you're giving them stuff other people got and you're mimicking. You're an echo, not a voice. God wants to speak to you. And here's what's so crazy about it. I turned 50 in just a few months. I'm gonna be 50 years old. Now, I know everybody in here, it's all relative. Some of y'all going, man, he's so young. Didn't know he's so young. He's got all that gray hair. Others of y'all going, God, I didn't know he's that old. It's all relative. It depends on where you're at and perspective and all that. But let me tell you something. At 50, I'll tell you what. The budget I had for the youth group is totally different than the budget we have now as a church. Now, some of y'all go, well, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord, but also weight of it a little bit different. The staff I had, well, I mean, did not have because there was none. To the staff that's on our team now, a little different. The size of the building, the size of the congregation, the size of impact, the size of responsibility, it's a lot different. And one of the biggest temptations of my life is to forget the first thing God ever told me about ministry. Because the same truth he gave me that says, 
just tell them what I've been telling you. Is just as true when you're a youth pastor with no staff with 30 kids as it is right now with a budget and a staff and a church, it's the same deal. And you say, well, yeah, I know that's true. Yeah, it's easy. Let me, let me just put it this way. Over here, you feel like you don't have anything, but life's a lot simpler. Because if you don't have anything, you don't have to do anything. Really, that, that's a responsibility. There's no weight. And I already know you guys going, because collectively there's 20,000 hours of ministry between you guys that y'all have done. Unbelievable. I'm so thankful. You are awesome. You've made a difference in people's lives. Nobody can say, well, it's so cool that y'all are starting in ministry. My gosh, y'all have done more ministry than most people have done who've been in full-time ministry for 10 years. You've already done it. You've already done it at a high level. You've already done it and been exposed to the best in class. You are already down the road. You are not just now starting. It's just a new level of what you're going to be doing. You have this, but let me tell you something different. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm giving you something here up front that you probably aren't going to fully appreciate, but there'll be a moment that you'll go, oh, like Austin. There's one thing to hear me say, hey, People aren't just machinery to accomplish the vision. They are the vision. It's another thing when he gets there and there's some kids who are suicidal and he's going, well, they're not gonna really help me build the biggest youth group, but what does it matter? That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to help them. Totally. Do you understand the difference between hearing the line and going, oh, that's cool, that'll preach, and then actually living it? What I'm about to tell you is one of those things. I remember uh, going to CrossFit one one evening or one afternoon and we were doing this workout. I get to work out with what's called the classic rock hour. <laughs> it's the guy who owns the gym and at 3.30, so nobody else is there but the guy who owns the gym who goes to our church, a guy that's, uh, I think he's 58 years old but we call him Regional Dave because he's the only one of us who's ever made it to regionals. He's unbelievable, he's incredible. And then there's another guy who's a fire chief, his name's Phil. And then uh, that's it, me. <laughs> and uh, so there'll be days that we're there and, and you say, well, man, how do you, how you don't look that fit? How can you work out with them? Well, there's this thing called scaled, okay? Scaled means that this is really what RX, this is the prescribed and scaled is, I can't do that. <laughs> so they'll go, okay, then do it this way. And you're doing the workout as hard as you can and it hits where you're at. Well, I remember one day I was feeling pretty good. Because here's Chris, who owns the gym, who's incredible. He's like my hero in fitness. And here's Phil, the fire chief. And here's regional Dave. And I'm actually staying up with all of them really good. In fact, I'm ahead of Dave. And if you say, well, he's so much older than you. It don't matter. He's regional Dave, okay? And, and uh, I'm like ahead of Phil. And guess what? I'm naked. I'm right there with Chris. I mean, I am neck and neck on the clock and everything doing rep for rep. I'm doing every single thing and we end, Chris, the exact same time. And I'm like going, come on, yeah, man, that is awesome. And they're going, you did good, man. Good job today, good job. Wow, man, that was really good. So then we go over and I'm kind of like taking, Jenny makes fun of me because I deck out every single thing there is. Like I have special shoes. I have like the knee pad things on and I've got gloves on my hands. I got the wrist wraps. So we all go over and start taking stuff off because that's kind of like your Iron Man uh, stuff to help you for old people to make it. So I'm over there pulling it off. But I don't realize it because when they all start taking their shirt off, 
they got 50 pound vests on. <laughs> did, did you hear what I just said? They had 50 pounds added to their body weight. I thought I was right with Chris, beating everybody, not realizing they were carrying a weight I had no idea about. The difference between what you've done in OSL and what you're about to do as you step into positions where you're giving not only responsibility, but you know what's, what's harder than just responsibility? With that responsibility, Paul describes it as the weight of the church, the weight of all the churches. He said, I have to face this. I have to face that. I got that struggle. I got that issue. I don't know how we're going to help people eat over here in Jerusalem. They don't have any money. They're in famine. I don't know how we're going to handle this issue over here because this church is in trouble. I don't know how we're going to handle this. But on top of all these other issues of everybody trying to kill me and put me in prison and they've, I'm shipwrecked and they stone me and all that. And on top of all that, I got the weight of all the issues in the church. Here's what you don't know is the work you've been doing as hard and as difficult and as challenging and as, man, I got so much stuff to do. When you get into that place where God calls you and place you, there will be grace and there will be weight. I promise you when Austin went to that youth group, he's going like, yeah, baby. I've been trained for this. I've been at Oaks Youth. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Yeah, man, this is my time. This is my thing. This is it. But when he finds out and he gets a phone call in the middle of the night, says, hey, my daughter's tried to kill herself. Come over. Can you come over here? Can you meet us at the hospital? That's a wait. When you get a phone call like I did when I was a youth pastor in Oak Cliff and two kids had been shot and killed and I did their funerals, that's a weight. When you find out kids have been diagnosed with issues and all kinds of, listen, you say, man, this is commencement, not depression time. What I'm telling you is there's a weight. Now listen, watch this. Are you listening to me? I'm talking to you here big time, heart to heart. Everybody else gets to listen, but it's, it's us. Here's the deal. You can be an exuberant, intern of faithfulness, which is what every single one of you have been, and you have done well. And do not think I am minimalizing what it takes to do classwork and to hand in papers and to read books and to pass tests and to do the education while you're going above and beyond all the other students and saying, I'm not just having my little time doing silly stuff with my work and having all my fun college experience. I'm over here working 20, 25 hours a week at the church, serving, putting into action what I'm doing because I want to make something of my life now. I don't want to go into ministry later. I want to do it now. But let me tell you right now, this is awesome. You're ahead of the game. Talk about everything worthwhile is uphill. You're ahead of the game because you've already been going uphill. You're ahead of the pack. Amen for that. But I'm just preparing you even ahead of time. Uh, more than what anybody else would probably be able to share with you on this. Listen, listen, listen. Right now, you've been in an exuberant intern type deal. You've been in an internship. You've been given responsibility, but other people carried the weight. You've been given a job, but other people carrying the weight. You can even think, man, I could do what they do, but they're carrying a 50 pound weight. So here's what you got to know. Here you've been doing the job. Here the job, when you come in and given the responsibility, you receive a weight. 
That weight will crush you. That weight will take you down. That weight will keep you up in the middle of the night. That weight will bring tears to your eyes. It'll crush you in your heart, crush you in your spirit. There'll be moments that you're going, I don't know how I'm gonna handle this. I mean, you hear Paul say, man, I am crushed and I'm perplexed, I'm perplexed, I'm struggling. I'm attacked on all sides. You know how he says all that? But then he says, but God help me, but God help me, but God, that's where I'm saying, here's where you've been and you've been faithful. So now you are commencing here now into a new level of responsibility. And with that responsibility will come weight. But there is another level you gotta go or you're going to get crushed. There's so many people where you are right now excited about going into ministry, excited about going into their job, excited about going into their next level. But those who sit among us who are pastors and ministers in here know how many people we graduated with who aren't in the game anymore, who aren't in the ministry anymore, who have either dropped out, failed out, messed up, or just couldn't handle the weight. So here's the good news I'm telling you. When the weight comes, okay, look. People who have weight look at people who don't have weight and go, thanks for doing the job. And if you get a little punky, they go like, dude, I got 50 pound weight vest on. Okay. People with the weight here look there and go, you don't have a clue. But the people here will get crushed and fall away if they don't understand that with the weight comes grace. With the weight comes grace. A grace that will empower you. A grace that will tell you what to say. A grace that will tell you what to do. A grace that will empower. A grace that will strengthen. A grace that will heal. A grace that will tell you what to say and tell you what to do and the move that needs to be made and how the income's gonna come in and how the provision. There is a grace, but you've gotta tap into the grace. It goes all the way back to the very beginning where the Lord says, just tell them what I've told you to do. And when you're on a Saturday night and you don't know what to preach tomorrow, you got to remind yourself in those moments. Just, I got to just tell him what he's been telling me. And if I've been faithful to listen, then I know what to say. Jesus was asked by the Jewish leaders, how do, you, how do you do what you do? You know what he says? In John 5 and John 12, both of them, he says this. I just do what I see the Father doing, and I just say what I hear him saying. This is the authority I have. Paul the apostle continues that same thought in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but it is Christ that lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I don't live anymore. This isn't about me having a great church. This isn't about me getting my, my name up in lights. This isn't about people giving me a big Twitter following. This isn't anything about Instagram, social media, or popular. Popularity or fame. This is about Jesus Christ. 
and I have been crucified with him. I don't live anymore. This life is now consumed by his spirit. I am a possessed man by the spirit of God, consumed by him to serve him and to be faithful to him who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I will love him and give myself for him. He's taking on that concept of Jesus saying, I don't do anything for myself. Jesus, the son of God, who had every right in the world to do whatever he wanted to say. He's God. But he was modeling for us that relationship. In fact, in Romans, he says, don't you understand the spirit of God is in you to testify to you that you're children of God. And if you're children of God, then you're heirs with Christ. You're heirs with Christ. That means that we have the same kind of relationship with the father that Jesus did. So here's what I'm saying to you. Every single day of your life, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the weight, you have the weight Whatever it is, there is a grace that if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you just, it's very simple. All you gotta do is tell him what he's telling you. All you gotta do, what he's showing you. All you gotta live in is what he's showing you to live in. Guys, it doesn't get more complex. It doesn't matter if it's a bigger building or more staff or more money. It doesn't matter if it's gonna be bigger than this, same size, less. It don't, none of that matters. It's the same deal. He's still Jesus. He's still on the throne. He's still all powerful. He's still God. He's still the one you're living for. And he will empower you every single step of the way. So all you do is wake up and say, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to give? And then you say, yes, 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 yes. That's the whole of the matter. The whole of the matter. Sometimes I do this good. Sometimes I have to preach to myself. You say, what do you mean preach to yourself? You do that in a mirror, no, I'm talking about in prayer. I just begin to say these things to myself, like David telling himself, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He's talking to himself and all that's within me. Bless his holy name, you don't feel like it, do it anyway. I'm telling you, it's all in right now. Y'all look at it and you think, my gosh, I can't wait to have a church that where there's $10 million is what we're looking for and what we're doing. Let me tell you something. There's weight. I spent several an hour in the last few weeks going, oh God, where's it gonna come from? You're telling us to do things I don't know how to do. You're telling us to start 48 churches a year. I, I can't even hardly do what I do now. I'm giving you secret Backstage insight. And every day I have to wake up and just go, all I can do is tell people what you're telling me. And all I can do is do what you're showing me to do. And all I can do is live every day in alignment with your will. Hebrews 12, nine has been kind of my theme passage the last several weeks, it says, hey, your father, earth, earthy fathers, they do really cool things and you honor them. They discipline you and you respect them for that. But he says, how much more should you submit to the father of spirits and live? You want to live? You, 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 you want to live? Submit to the father of your spirit. Submission means to come underneath and push up. No, it's not about me, it's about him, it's about you. 
There are those who do not submit to the Father of spirits, who lives for themselves and the Father of lies. The Father of lies tells you it's about you. It's like Trey was saying, I wanted to get a job, I wanted to promote myself, all of this. That's the Father of lies telling you, if you don't promote yourself, who will? I'll tell you who will, the Father. And when you try to do it yourself, you're taking his place and you're disrupting his processes. He says in his word, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due season, he will exalt you. He will. I'll just end with this. You guys have heard me tell the story, I'm sure, but I'm gonna say it again here because it's so relevant to where you're going. The reason why I'm talking about weight is because I'm telling you the things I learned early on that are true are still true when the weight is applied. But when the weight is applied, what's in you gets squeezed out like a sponge. If you go over and you got red Kool-Aid on the counter and you get that sponge and you, you clean it up and you walk over to the sink and you squeeze it, what comes out? It's not a trick question, right, Des? It's that red Kool-Aid. Yeah, because when you get into the weighted times of your life, when the weight comes upon you, it squeezes you and what's in you comes out. The stuff you've been filtering, the stuff you have not dealt with, the stuff that you've been holding down, the pride, the self-promotion, the selfishness, the insecurity, it comes up. And in my life, I've had to have a growth team around me of a counselor. I don't go to counsel. I tell you this all the time. I go every other week for two hours, I go as a part of the growth plan of my life to deal with those issues proactively. I have a prayer team and I pray, Connie's on my prayer team and they pray for me every week and we have, God speaks to them and we talk back and forth each week. I have people who are mentors and fathers in my life and I surround myself with this because I want God to help me. But even with all of that, guys, if you're not careful, you'll even get more dependent on your growth team than on God. It was four years ago, five years ago now, I woke up in the middle of the night and knew God wanted to talk to me and I went upstairs and when I was up there, I had a vision, a waking vision. In the vision, there was a man here, a man here, and a man here. There were strings coming out of my soul, the core of my being connected to them and they're facing me and the Lord said, see that man? I said, yes, he said, he's your promotion. Every time you write a book, you get him to promote it. Every time you want to speak somewhere, you get him to put your name out. Every time you want to meet somebody, you tell him. If you want to be in a green room, if you want to meet people, if you want to get anywhere or do anything, he's your guy who can make it happen. And the thing that's about it is he's so gifted by me, he actually is getting you in rooms, but they're rooms I haven't prepared you for yet. And while you're shaking hands with the people you're wanting to shake hands with, you're missing my timing and where I want you to be in that moment. So here's what he said. He can either be your promotion or me, but I won't share it. I took my hand out like a sword and I said, in the name of Jesus, you are my promotion, not him. He said, the man in front of you, he's your protection. Every time you feel the weight, every time it gets heavy, you call him before you call me. 
He doesn't have the answers I have. He has wisdom, but he doesn't know the future. He doesn't know the situation like I know it. And I can change people's hearts. He can't. So why don't you, you can either have him or you can have me, but I'm not gonna share it. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you are my protection. He said, that guy, he's your provision. Now he had never given us a dollar, still had never given us a dollar. Has nothing to do with that. Had to do with a leader who was pastoring a church and was raising a lot of money for buildings and stuff. And so I brought him on to help me alongside to teach me how to do that, help me, because we gotta build this building and I don't know how to do it and help us. And, and God said, here's a deal. You can have his strategy, but it's the strategy I gave him for his church, not the strategy I have for you and the Oaks. You'll have some success with him, but you won't be able to fulfill what I have for you unless you learn how to hear from me and lead from me, I can cause the people to be blessed and I can speak to their hearts to give. He can't, but if you want him, you can have him, but I'm not gonna share it. I said, in the name of Jesus, you're my provision. And that night I raised my hands in the air like Rocky, because this is kind of the tendency of my life to be like, I got this. I gotta got this because if I don't got this, how can, I'm gonna fail God. I gotta make this happen. I gotta push this through, force this thing. I gotta do it for God. What God's trying to teach me even here at 50 years old, he never asked me to do anything for him. He asked me to do it all with him. But there is a participation, a partnership of the spirit a fellowship he's called us into the spirit. That doesn't mean I just sit back. It means I do things, but it's at the prompting of his spirit, not things I do for him, things I do with him. And I said, God, I don't got it. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the authority to live my life like you can, to lead it like you can. So I stepped out the throne of my heart. I give it to you. Go where you want me to go. Do what you want me to do. Say what you want me to say. You are my promotion, you are my protection, you are my provision, I will trust in you. You're my king. All I'm trying to tell you is, the very first thing God ever told me about ministry, just tell him what I tell you. Just tell him what I've been telling you. It's probably the greatest truth, the greatest principle, no matter what level you ever get to. Just wake up every day and say, I don't got it. My words mean nothing, I want yours. My wisdom is lacking, I want yours. I have been crucified with Christ. It has nothing. My life is not about me again, ever again. Whew. What do you want? I surrender myself to you. Guys, you can go into education. You can go into law. You can be in business. You can serve in a church, in an office, in a field all comes down no matter what profession you're in. It's not, it's 
It's not just about your occupation, it's about your vocation, your calling. It's all about this one thing, living like Jesus, co-heirs with him. You got a dad who loves you and he's on the throne. Just wake up every day and say, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I trust in you. You're my king. And you will be blessed. God, I pray for these graduates. Your hand be upon them. Bless them, anoint them, use them. I thank you, Lord, that they have been good stewards of their time in university. They have not squandered a moment. They have lived every day to the very best of their ability. They, I sense your smile upon them now that they have served you, they have honored you, and they have said, I want my life to count for things that have eternal value, and they've done it at an early age, just like a Samuel. I pray now their ears be open like Samuel that they would hear you. Their faith be filled like David who could take on a lion and a bear. And when their Goliath comes, they'll be ready. I pray your anointing be upon them, just like Elisha, that those who have been fathers to them and mothers to them, that that mantle of anointing would be upon them to do all that you've called them to do in their generation. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.